Thank you for listening to Changed by His Word, a podcast of Pine Level Missionary Baptist Church featuring the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We invite you to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for worship. For more information, visit us online at pinelevelmbc.org. And now for today's message. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 13. Let's tell him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast and the angels were ministering to him. One of my heroes growing up was a guy by the name of Michael Jordan. During my day growing up, everybody wanted to be like Mike. And my dad drove a Greyhound bus. And during the summers, one of the things that I would do is I would go on charters with him. And one year we went down to Charleston, South Carolina for a charter. And this was back in the mid-1980s. And at that time, the Air Jordans just came out. And my dad bought me a pair of those Air Jordans. And I wore those things and I sported them. And even while I was wearing them, I wanted to be like Mike. Now, I wish I had a a pair of those today because they're selling for like $1,000 on eBay. But Michael Jordan was one that dominated the sport of basketball. And everybody wanted to be like Mike. I mean, I wanted to dribble like Mike. I wanted to run up and down the court like Mike. I wanted to shoot like Mike. I wanted to be able to jump like Mike and even to be able to dunk like Mike as well. As I think about that, I can't help but be reminded of what we learn here in Scripture. God changed my life one day. He's still in the life-changing business. And here in Scripture, we see an example of one to follow. Hey, don't be like Mike. I want to challenge you today to be like Jesus. I want to challenge you to follow His example, and I want my Heavenly Father to be able to say of me the same thing He said about Jesus. He said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So this morning, for the next few moments, I want to simply share with you three truths that we learn from this text in a message entitled, This is My Son. If you're taking notes, notice first that He, that is Jesus, He set the example to follow. Now notice the Bible tells us in verse 9 that Jesus came from Nazareth. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. In an act of obedience, the Lord Jesus Christ came on the scene. He came to be baptized by John the Baptist. Now John was the man that Jesus, uh, John was the man in Jesus' baptism. It was instituted by God the Father. Listen to these words from John chapter 1 verses 33 and 34. John writes, I did not recognize him... But he who sent me to baptize in the water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified, listen to this, that this is the Son of God. So John recognized Jesus for who he is. You see, contrary to what many believe, Jesus is not just a good person. Jesus is not just a man like you and me that that, that lived a life and did a bunch of good deeds. No, Jesus came on a mission. He came from heaven to earth passionately pursuing you. Aren't you glad for that today? I know I am, especially during times like this. I'm glad that Jesus is still on a rescue mission even today. And He's raising up His children to be on this mission with Him as well. Praise God, I'm thankful that Jesus came to rescue me. We need a rescuer. The world needs a rescuer. His plan and His purpose for your life and mine are far greater than what we think. 
You see, His plan is perfect. Your plan may not always be right. Your plan may not always come to fruition, but God's plan, listen to this, is always perfect. And Jesus' baptism was a part of God's divine plan. Listen to me this morning. God never makes mistakes. Now you may be asking yourself the question and, and, and wringing your hands and, and, and just twirling your fingers and, and wondering, what are we going to do about this? God's still in control. And I'm thankful for that this morning. That He's still on His throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now this is of utmost importance for Jesus. Likewise, it should be utmost importance for us. Our desire should be to follow His will and not our own. And if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you're to walk in obedience to His commands. What is obedience? Well, obedience is simply a willingness to obey. It's to be submissive to the restraint or command of authority. And for the believer, what I've come to learn over the years through my study of Scripture, obedience is not optional. It's not optional. When we're not walking in obedience to God and His commands, we're walking in sin. And if you've trusted Jesus and your Lord, as your Lord and Savior, then one of the things that you've been instructed to do is to, to follow Jesus in the water of baptisms. As we're looking at today in the text before us, Jesus Himself was baptized. I want to challenge you to do that. We're going to be having a baptism service coming up Easter Sunday. And you can go to our website right now and register for that. You can reach out and contact me. I'd love to talk with you more about that. But we want you to live in obedience of God's commands, and we want to do likewise. So what does it mean to be baptized, and what, why is baptism important? Well, according to John Phillips, and I quote, Baptizo means to dip, to immerse. It never is used to mean to sprinkle, end of quote. So baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, risen Savior. It signifies that we're dying to our sin and we're being raised to a newness of life. So it's basically you identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to also understand that in no way, shape, or form does baptism impart salvation. We know that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But Jesus was obedient. What about you? Hey, we're going to be filling the baptistry on Easter. And we're challenging you to step forward, to, to be the first, to, to take that step of obedience, to follow through in obedience to Jesus' commands. And I know this church, this is a loving church, this is a loving group of folks, and we want nothing more than to be able to wrap our arms around you and to love on you. And it's too bad we can't do that during this time. Amen? That's taking some getting used to. But we're trusting that God's going to send folks that are going to be obedient to Him. And when we study the Scriptures, we can't help but look at the example that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, set. Uh, set the example that you and I are to follow. It's an act of obedience. So first, we learn that Jesus willingly came. That He came to be baptized by John, and He set the example for us to follow. But notice secondly, notice secondly, he also pleased His heavenly Father. Look at verses 10 and 11. The Bible says in verse 10, Immediately coming up out of the water, He saw the heavens open, opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon Him. 
And a voice came out of heaven, out of the heavens, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Now Mark doesn't record this, but if you'll look over in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, I want you to listen to these words in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 3, listen to what Matthew writes. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now this didn't sit well with John, and John tried to stop Jesus from being baptized. He said, hey, I need to be baptized by you. I want you to put yourself in John's shoes for just a moment. If you're sitting there on the scene, you're baptizing people in the Jordan River, and Jesus comes up, he pops on the scene. You know what John's response to him was? Hey, it's the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's this same John, remember? He said, I'm not even unworthy to untie the thong of his sandals. It's this same John that said, He must increase and I must decrease. So keep in mind here that John felt unworthy. He felt unworthy to even be in Jesus' presence, let alone to baptize Him. Why is that? Because John recognized Jesus for who He is. God in the flesh. He is indeed the God-man. And yet Jesus said to him, The reason is that I must be baptized by you. And it's not because Jesus was sinful. Let's never forget that. Jesus did not need to be baptized because he was a sinner. He was perfect. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he was perfect. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, And yet Jesus said to John, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then the Bible tells us that John permitted this to take place. Now look at verse 10 again. You see a word that stands out, the word immediately. Immediately coming up out of the water. After Jesus was baptized, immediately, John says, coming up out of the water. I'd mentioned before in a previous message, the Greek word here used is euthus, which is translated immediately in our English language. And this is the first time that it's used in Mark's Gospel. But keep this in mind that it's used over ten times in chapter 1 alone, and throughout the Gospel of Mark, 16 chapters, this word is used some 40 times. As I've mentioned before, Mark is a fast-paced Gospel. Although it's going to take us some time moving through this, it's fast-paced and it's action-packed. You know, thinking about this, I'm reminded to my trip back to Israel in 2015. I was able to go and be baptized right there in that Jordan River. If you're able to see our display here, the picture that's actually up with the notes on it is a picture that I took of the Jordan River. You know, typically when we think of baptisms, we think of a baptistry that has a hand painting on it. But to be able to go stand in the Jordan River and to be baptized there at the same place, the same river where my Lord and Savior was baptized, what a remarkable, remarkable thing. And I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to do that a number of years ago. It was in those waters that the Bible tells us, in John chapter 1, verse 28, that this event took place. Now, we often wonder, okay, where in the Jordan River did this happen? Because when we look at a map of, of, of Israel, we see that in the northern part of Israel, you have the Sea of Galilee, and we know the Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee, then out of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee and makes its way from north to south down to the Dead Sea. Well, down around where Jericho is located, 
There's a place called Bethany beyond the Jordan. We've got a map here on the, the display. If you can see that on your screen there, it'll give you an, an idea. But it's believed that this is the location just north of the Dead Sea where John actually baptized Jesus. Now, when we went in 2015 and were baptized, we were baptized up at the northern part close to the Sea of Galilee. But we have the geographical location as to where this took place. And the Bible says immediately when he was baptized that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended upon a dove like Jesus. Now the outpouring of the Holy Spirit does not change Jesus' status. It doesn't assign to him any new rights. As one writer explains, and I quote, rather it identifies him as the promised servant and son and it marks the beginning of his public ministry, end of quote. John Phillips also explains it this way, and I quote, There never was a time when the Lord Jesus was not filled with the Holy Spirit, but He was anointed at His baptism, end of quote. So the filling of the Spirit prepared Jesus for the earthly ministry that lay ahead of Him. We know from the study of Scripture that Jesus spent a number of years, three years ministering here on earth, and this is at the very beginning, the inauguration of His earthly ministry. Likewise, when it comes to ministry... Please don't miss this. When it comes to ministry, we cannot do ministry in our own strength and our own power. We can't do it. That's something I've got to confess. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to do God's work in my strength and my power. And I don't need my strength and my power to do that because that will not suffice. I need His strength and His power. And I'm thankful that He fills us. The Bible tells us that you're, you're, you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've come to learn this as well. You'll never accomplish anything of eternal value in your own strength and power. Man, I feel like I'm running 100 miles an hour this morning. But you'll never accomplish anything in your own strength and your own power. Therefore, we've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. If there's ever been a time for us to rely on the Spirit of God, that time is now. And John says to Jesus, I myself have testified that this is the Son of God. What about you this morning? Do you recognize Jesus for who He is? You can't package Jesus and put Him into your own little bubble. You've got to accept Him for who He is. And listen to the words from the Heavenly Father. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Not only do we have a testimony here from John the Baptist, who saw Jesus and said to him, you are the Son of God, but we have the Heavenly Father, who likewise said, this is my beloved Son, in Him I am well pleased. What do we find tucked away in Scripture here? It's remarkable because what we find here is a picture of our triune God. Now somebody may say, well you can search the Bible all over and you'll never find the word Trinity. Well that's true. You won't find the word Trinity. But you see a very clear picture of that right here in Mark's Gospel. So the Father expresses not only His love for His Son, but He finds pleasure in Him as well. Jesus the Son coming up out of the water from being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending upon Him, and then the Heavenly Father saying, This is my beloved Son. What a beautiful picture of God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, there's one God that exists in three distinct persons without division of essence, nature, or being. That's the triune God that we serve. So first we see that Jesus set the example for us to follow. 
Secondly, Jesus pleased His heavenly Father. But notice thirdly, that Jesus was tempted like you and me. Jesus was tempted like you and me. Look at verses 12 and 13. Immediately the Spirit impelled Him to go into the wilderness. And He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And He was with wild beasts and the angels were ministering to Him. Again, Mark uses the word euthus immediately. Immediately the Bible says that the Spirit impelled him to go into the wilderness. Much like, I believe, the account that we find in John's Gospel, chapter 4, when the Bible says, and I love the King James translation of this, I must needs go through Samaria. Jesus had a divine appointment to meet with a Samaritan woman, and we see something very similar to this here. It was a divine appointment for Jesus to be led into the wilderness. As a matter of fact, impel means to lead one forth or away somewhere with force. And we see that Jesus went into that wilderness. I showed a picture just a few weeks ago of what the wilderness looks like, the barren wilderness. We see that Jesus was led away there, and He, was, uh, he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights, and it was there in the wilderness that He was tempted like you and like me. I want you to know that temptations are inevitable. Temptations, much like trials, will come. And you've got to decide what you're going to do with the temptation when it comes your way. You can read in the, the book of James and learn more about the progression concerning temptation and how it, it, it leads forth to death. But we've got to keep that in mind. That we've got to walk in obedience to God. That when we're tempted, we've got to look to Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes focused on Him. And at the same time, we must never say that, hey, when we're tempted, it's of God, because we know that the Bible says that God tempts no one. God is omniscient. He's all-powerful. He's holy. He's righteous. And God cannot be tempted by evil. And He cannot and will not tempt anyone. You see, Jesus who left heaven and came to earth passionately pursuing you was tempted just like you. And He overcame that temptation, by relying on the Holy Spirit and His Heavenly Father. And I've come to learn as well that you can't defeat sin on your own. I've talked to folks before and they say to me, well, you know, whenever I get my life cleaned up, when I stop doing this or when I stop doing that, then I'm going to go down to the church house. You can't clean your life up. Not in your own strength and power. You've got to simply surrender to Jesus. You've got to simply say yes to Him and turn from your sins and begin to follow Him and He'll give you the power to do that. We think about it along these lines. I mean, suppose somebody comes through the church door, and they are, they're, they've got a foul mouth, and they're cussing. I mean, when they trust Jesus, are they going to clean that up immediately? It's probably going to take a little bit of time if they've been raised that way, or trained that way. But we've got to love on them and meet them where they are. And we've got to recognize that we're tempted in the same way that they are tempted. Now finally, notice that Mark mentions that he was led into the wilderness, not only that, but there were wild beasts, and then the angels were ministering to him. Two, two important things to point out. Number one, I want you to notice, and, or listen to these words from Dr. Thomas Constable. I think he explains it well. And I quote, he says, Mark's unique reference to the wild beast heightens the fierceness of the temptation. The fierceness of temptation. Keeping in mind that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness. He goes on to say the Jews associated the wilderness and the wild beast and uh, satanic hostility. 
God's angelic servants were ministering to Jesus during his time of testing. Angels always refers to heavenly beings. God did not leave his son alone, but provided grace to help him in his time of need. We're living in difficult times. This is a time like I've never seen before. I can't remember during my lifetime of, of, of any time that everything's been shut down, even the church house. But we're living in difficult times. And this is what I want you to keep in mind this morning. Don't miss this. God's grace is sufficient. And God will continue to take care of you. Hey, don't focus on your circumstances. Don't be looking at Wall Street and what they're doing right now. Don't focus your attention on the economy and, and don't be consumed with the coronavirus. Hey, we got to look to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm thankful for that. Praise God that I've got a Savior that loves me. That He's the author and the finisher of my faith. And He's more than well aware of what's taken place during this time. So what are we to do, church? How are we to respond? This is what I've come to learn. We've got to be sold out for Jesus. If there's ever been a time that we've needed to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, the time is now. If there's ever been a time when we needed to love our neighbor as ourself, the time is now. So what I'm challenging you to do, church, as well as myself, is to look for opportunities around us for those that are less fortunate, those who are in need, and think about ways that we can respond and meet their need, and at the same time, pointing them to Jesus. Let's do our part individually. Let's do our part as a church to care for our fellow man and to put others ahead of ourselves. And then when we get to the finish line, whether we die and go to be with the Lord first, or whether Jesus comes back, and I believe in His imminent return, may the same thing be said of us that the Father said about Jesus. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. You've been listening to Changed by His Word, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Brad Lee. We hope that you have been encouraged and challenged by this message. If you have any questions about the message or about your relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact Pastor Brad at changedbyhisword at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.